like to thank all of you folk who came today to honor your father. God bless your heart. I know you're not a member of our church. You're a member of somebody else's church. And, and I'm glad that you made the sacrifice today to come and honor your father. I have six children. Three of them are here today. And the other three, I'm sure, are in Gene Jr.'s church. Now, they won't get much, but they're in the house of God anyhow. <laughs> and I, I thank God for our Christian home. No, I, I really do. I, I, I don't ever take for granted uh, how God has blessed me with a good wife and uh, six kids. And I am glad to see Ms. Jennings here today. Ms. Jennings, we're glad you made it again. All right. One of these days, you get out of that wheelchair and dig your feet and toenails into gold, solid streets of gold. Who knows? Your mansion may be next door to mine. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> For all of our visitors, we're glad you're here today. And I want to just try to preach to you for a little while today on this subject, the awesome power of a man. The awesome power of a man. God created man with authority and with power. He created woman with influence. Influence. President of the college that I learned said this, you show, you show me a man, I mean show me a woman that wants to do something and I'll show you a man in 30 days that'll be doing it. Influence. So I want to talk to you today and ladies I don't want to preach over your head and I don't want to offend anybody today. But it's not easy being a man in the days in which we live. Everybody is trying to assassinate the masculinity and put men in a pair of peggers or what do they call them things, mama? Them pants with real tight legs and <laughs> what? Now, ain't what it called when I was a kid. Not leotards. We got this crowd confused, do we not? <laughs> so, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Let me read for you. I want to talk about being a man, okay? Many times when we talk about being a man, uh, we have in mind the traditional view of uh, Clint Eastwood or maybe John Wayne. Broad-shouldered, tough as a knot, unemotional, self-confident, and successful. 
And then we come into our society and into our age and we start talking about a man being more sensitive, vulnerable, emotional, and needs to learn to cry. And it seems as though we have come from John Wayne to Billy Crystal in my lifetime. Now, I'm not saying that the John Wayne type is what's right. But I am saying that the Billy Crystal deal ain't right. So somewhere we need to meet in the middle. And I find that uh, we begin to search everywhere in the world for the solution of the issue. And the first time somebody gets in trouble being a man, they go to a conference or a professional counselor or promise keepers. Nothing wrong with that. It's just there are these self-helped situations and I, I don't have anything wrong with self-help. It's just, if you could have helped yourself, what are you doing there to start with? Does that make sense? And if it works, why do you have to go every year? <laughs> and when we find ourselves in these situations, we don't know what a man is or how a woman ought to walk or something, the first thing we do is buy a book written by some professional that tells us how to treat a pregnant wife who's never been married. And we go to these conferences and read these books in search of 10 easy steps on how to be a successful man. We come home and we take all that we've learned and we try with all diligence to work with these 10 easy steps. And we work on them for about a month and a half and then we forget the steps and look forward to next year's meeting. I want to just read for you a couple of verses. I don't, I don't want to make anybody mad because I'm too old to make anybody mad. Titus chapter 2, just two verses. I want to talk to you about the awesome power of a man. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, and temperate, sound 
in faith, in charity, and in patience. Let's pray together. Our Father today, please, in these next few moments, help our dads, help our moms, help our kids. And Lord, I pray that you'd please help our church. And Lord, help our church to help our men. And help our men to help their families. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In my youth, and I was trying to figure out this morning how many years it was to go back to my youth. So if I could go back about 60 years, maybe 65 years, I would have to say that the roles were a lot more clearer, the roles of the woman, the roles of man, the husband, the wife. If I could go back a few years to my youth, the roles were very, very simple. Man was the warrior, the protector, and the provider. The woman, there was no doubt, she was the keeper at home. She was the one when the little boys skimped her finger or skimped their knee, went running into the house to bury their face in the apron of a mama who could compassionately soothe the pain that they had. Wonder if a babysitter can pull that off. That wasn't in the notes, that was free. Men were leaders of the family, leaders in business and leaders in government. They were expected to produce the income while mama raised the kids. And in times of hard times, they were expected to have those broad, strong shoulders that the whole family could lean on in times of adversity and pain. But the roles have been monkeyed with. Would you say that? Because things and expectations of change living in the days of unisex. I don't know what that means. I've never seen one. If I did, I wouldn't recognize it. But we're living in a different day. And everybody's trying to kill masculinity and push it down to a subservient place. And we're seeing the results of that all about us. Today, women are lifting weights and the husbands are wearing aprons. You say, I don't like that. Uh, I don't even have your phone number, so how could I have called you and asked you if you're going to like it or not? We're living in a day when women are making dough and men are cooking it. 
Anytime pray, you can look up. You say, well, I don't like this. I don't either because somebody preached to me back under my office. We're living a day when the women are wearing denims and the men are wearing silk. Something's happened. Amen. I can't help it if you've got little red hearts on your underwear. That's your business. <laughs> we live in a day when the women walk like they're following a plow, and men, well, I just don't know what they're doing. I was particular teaching all of my boys how to walk. If they walk like these funny fellows with these skinny britches on, I would have kicked them in the next week. You say, you don't like that. I don't care. That's just the way it, way it goes, folks. way it goes. I'm awful glad the doors in our church swing both ways. Amen. And I'll tell you what's happened in America. Men are confused. Why are so many people so interested in defining and redefining the role of the man? Why does it, they, why does it need to be monkeyed with? Amen. You know, since the beginning of time, men have set the agenda, either positive or negative. I went back this week to the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. Have you ever heard of this phrase? He's the strong, silent type. What if I told you that's not true? He's probably the silent, sinful type. Have you read Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6? And never ask yourself the question, where was Adam when Eve was talking to the serpent? Was the sin really her eating the fruit or Adam's silence before she ate the fruit? Do you know Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 says that while she was eating the fruit and talking to the serpent, Adam was with her. The silence of man has resulted in millions of lost people Dying and going to hell. You know, I Adam, the strong, silent type who kept his mouth shut while the devil talked Eve in to eating the fruit. Did you know that Paul said in the book of Romans that by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world? Silent men 
is the reason we are so confused in America. Silent men could have been involved, if you please, with this unisex deal that's going on. Nobody ever says anything about it. Somebody was silent when abortion was okay. Uh, Somebody was silent, bless your heart, when the same-sex marriaging took place. Uh, Somebody was silent when they come up with this transgender deal. Somebody was silent, bless your heart, when they began to be politically correct. Could I please beg you just a moment? Are you the silent type? Are you afraid she'll hit you with a left hook the next time you say anything? What does your kids think of you as a man? What does our God think of us as men when we've sat by silently and let all of this confusion eradicate the position and role of a godly man? God told us that the woman's always going to want to be on top. She's always going to want to rule. And her her condemning and her uh, fault caused her to be subservient and under the man. Because God said, now Eve, he's going to rule over you. If you don't like that, just tear Genesis chapter 3 out. Put it aside, but I just wonder if God's proud of the silence of the man. You say, well, preacher, I I don't know about that. Well, let me ask you something. How did it work for Adam? Could you go through the book of Genesis and ask Abraham, how's this thing of silence, Abraham? How's this working for you? Now, I know your wife suggested that you go into your concubine. I know your wife sat there and told you that this is the plan that we can do and get this promised son. This is what we do. And Abraham just sat there like most Baptists with his mouth shut and said, okay, I'll do it. And they're fighting in the Middle East right now. Amen. How does this silent, strong type really prevail? We could ask Lot. You know why Lot didn't want to leave Sodom? Because his wife didn't want to leave Sodom. I just think maybe there's a little confusion about the power and the influence of man. Somebody said the other day, well, the kids are just a chip off the old block. Have you ever heard that? 
May I suggest to you, Daddy, if you don't like the chip, change the old block. Why should your kids want to come to church if, Daddy, you don't? Does our world need a church? Does our city need a church? I tell you, my family needs a church. And I'm asking you today, I just want to look at this verse. And I want to talk to you about how to be a godly man. Characteristics of a godly man. Is that all right? If it's not, I'm going to do it anyhow. I already had some get up and walk out. I guess you can too. Kind of like, didn't, didn't Biden say, well, check me out. If you don't like what you see, vote for somebody else. He ain't too smart. Who in the world could like that? Let's go now. I want to show you something. Look in your verse. Verse 1, chapter, Titus chapter number 2. Here it is. Let me give you the characteristics that, that Paul gave young Titus. He says this. But speak thou the things which becometh sound doctrine. Daddy, are you teaching your family sound doctrine? Are you a silent daddy who does not speak? Speak thou sound doctrine. Get in your Bible. Teach your kids the Bible. That'll work every time. And watch this. Now I want to close. I want to, I want to hurry. And the aged men. Now some of you don't qualify for that. But if you are any age, you are probably aged. And if you're not aged, hang around. And I'll tell you, being aged beats the alternative. So we men who are aged, the Bible says, be sober, be grave, and be temperate. Here Paul is encouraging the aged men to be examples to the younger folk, to the families, if you please, to avoid being extreme as to be unbearable or not to be forceful or lord over the family. I don't think that Jesus would be a hard father. I do not think that he would want us to be harsh and hard, especially with women and children. Well, I'll whoop you till you can't sit down. I've probably said that once or twice to my kids. And I want to tell you something. Since they're all idiots, it didn't work. <laughs> God does not deal with us in harsh terms. God does not deal with us to get even or to point us to our guilt. God deals with us to point us to correction and maturity. I read a story in the Bible the other day 
It's 1149. I read, a st- I read a story in the Bible the other day about one of God's children. His name is Elijah. Elijah has quit on God. He said, I'm done. And he's running. And now he's hiding in a cave in top of the mountains up there, afraid of Jezebel and her crowd. And sitting up there, moaning and groaning about how rough things are. And God whispered to him and said, Abraham, I mean, who was I talking about? Elijah. (laughs) You know, uh, and it's okay if I get Abraham in the boat every once in a while. He needs to get seasick for what he did, right? And so here is a backslidden, angry, hurt man hiding himself in the cave. One of God's children he is. And God says, Elijah, step outside the cave for just a minute. And God sent a whirlwind by. Can you imagine a tornado coming right in your front yard? And the Bible said, but God was not in the whirlwind. And while Elijah sat there backslidden away from God, God shook the earth, bless your heart. But God was not in the shaking. How did God deal with a hurt, backslidden child? The Bible said, and God, that's probably for me. I'll bet you anything that's for me. You know that used to happen to me when I wore that watch that they got me in case I fall. Siri started talking to me one night while I was preaching. I could not shut her up. She said, did you know Andrew's an idiot? I said, yes, I did. said, did you know that Sean's probably asleep while you're preaching? I said, yes. And me and Siri just had a conversation there for a long time. So tell you what I did. I leave Siri at the house now, and I wear this one while I'm preaching. And this child of God, who's wrong as rain, who's hurt and disappointed. God not dealing with him in harshness, in the hurricane or in the whirlwind. Listen now. The Bible said God came to him in a still, small voice, kind and gentle and instructive. Oh, what family wouldn't love to have a daddy like that who dealt with his children soberly intelligently grave instructing temperate wouldn't it be nice if men became temperate again self-controlled not bounced about with every TV program in the world trying to be John Wayne one day and Laurel and Hardy the next. (laughs) Now, some of you kids don't know anything about Laurel and Hardy, but you've probably missed half your education if you don't know about Laurel and Hardy. Watch this. I don't have to worry about what kind of climate we're in and I don't have to worry about what kind of television they own. I know what kind of man God wants me to be. Amen. 
God wants you to be sober. Always, always intact with what's going on. Grave and temperate. Boy, did I need temperance for raising six kids, especially Gene Jr. and Amanda. I needed to be temperate. But oftentimes I said, I'm going to kill them. I, just, I wonder if I could get them out in the backyard and run over with a car and I could say it was an accident. You, you never had that problem with your kids, right? No, no, no. Well, I have good news for you. I didn't run over any of them. They all made it. Even with my failures. This world needs some men who are not silent, but who are sober, grave, and temperate. And then look down. It's 1154. Look, at, look down at the rest of the verse. It said, sound. Notice what it says. It says, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. I've uh, had some dealings with horses. Now, I'm not a horse person like a lot of you folks. But I do know which end the bridle goes on. I know how to put harness on them. I know how to hook them to a single tree, double tree. I know how. I know what G and ha means. I know all of that. Have you ever heard this word concerning a horse? Is he sound? If you buy a horse, make sure he's sound. Now, Ed Bader hadn't heard a word I said all day. But if anybody knows anything about a horse, it's Brother Ed Bader. He's hid back yonder someplace. Wake him up. <laughs> sound means, is he healthy? Is he true? Can he do what he's created to do? Is he sound? As I close, God is looking for men who are sound in the faith. Why is it that most women take charge spiritually in the home while you are strong? And silent. Well, how did that strong and silent work out for Adam and Abraham and Isaac and Lot? It's going to work out the same way with you, buddy. God didn't create man to be strong and silent, created you to be strong and sound in the faith. Amen. Teach your kids. Teach your wife. You say she won't shut up. Teach her to shut up. <laughs> How do you do that? I don't know. I ain't going to try it tell you. I'm just telling you to do it. <laughs> it's safer for me to tell you to do it than me to do it. 
sound in faith. Can I help you now? Don't leave spiritual matters to mama. Daddy, be sound in the faith. Teach your kids. Teach your kids the faith. It says be sound in love. It's okay, Daddy, to love. Bill McCarthy said this. Think of this and I'll close. When you look into the face of a man's wife, you will see just what kind of man he is. Is that scary or what? I think I'll go look at Sean's wife for a while. Sound and love. Hollywood kind of love. Soap opera kind of love. You love me, baby. Show it. What kind of love? Bible says here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation for our, or a sacrifice for our sins. You and I are to love our kids like God loves us. But God commended his love toward us in that what, while we're yet sinners. Boy, did I raise six sinners. Now, I don't think they ever got over it. I think it's deeply embedded in their heart and their soul. But God loved them even while they were yet sinners. Christ died. Daddy, you ought to be willing to die for your family. You ought to be able to, you ought to be willing to die for your kids. You ought to be willing to be spent and used for their benefit. That's what a man is. It's not John Wayne. It's not Clint Eastwood. Good, bad, and ugly as it might be. A man should be sober and grave and temperate. And your faith ought to be sound, healthy, true and pure. Your love ought to be the same thing. Amen? And lastly, patience. God knows none of us need patience. If they'll just hurry up and get on with it, we'll be all right. But the Bible said that we ought to teach men to be sound in patience. Now, I never needed any patience with Andrew. I needed a lot with David. David didn't want to do what all the other family wanted to do. If we were deer hunting, me and Gene Jr. would sit there till snot ran out of our nose three foot and froze. Not David. He said, you guys are idiots. I'm going to the truck. Give me the key. I'm only going to turn the heater on. 
right? We were coon hunting one night outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the dogs started running something wrong, and we was up in the top of them woods. David got a hold of me and Gene Jr. said, I'm going to promise you two idiots one thing. If we ever find a truck, I ain't never going coon hunting you idiots again. <laughs> now, I had to have patience working with David. All the rest of them, you know. Daddy, don't quit. Daddy, don't give in. Daddy, don't give up. Just be patient, and God will make a way. God will fix it. Amen. So, I'm not too worried about unisex and transgender and homosexuality and all that. It's not a shake my boat one bit. Notice my pants will still slide up and down. <laughs> but that's what they're trying to do. This world is trying to change your attitude. Toward a tear, what you wear, hmm? your attitude, and the actions. All of God's people said, Amen. and those that left said, Hold oh, me.